is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to change the station. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will bring it to a whisper. For the next hour, sit quietly and we shall control all that you hear. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. And now, it's time for the radio show that covers just about every topic. Because variety is the spice of life. From the arcane and unusual to current events and practical tips. Because if it's interesting, they'll be talking about it. And now, here's Bill and Allison Mancaro. We are indeed. Thank you, Harley. Thank you. Good morning, Allison. I'm Allison. Yes, you are. And you're Bill. I am Bill. Still Bill. Still Bill. <laughs> well, it's a coolish but humid morning today in Hill Country. Yeah, I, wa- I walked out into the garage and I said, man, is it hot. And yeah. it's, it's not all that hot, but it's no. humid. No. Damn it, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I th- hopefully we are past our 100 degree days. What was it? 25 days in the month of August were over 100 degrees. Something like that. I, I don't remember, but it, it was, was it was a was lot. More than, more than we want, that's for sure. Well, we are Bill and Allison. We are here from 8 to 10 on Saturday morning, and we're glad you're joining us. If you have never heard our program before, we go through all sorts of things, from funny stuff to serious stuff to try to find things that uh, you probably or may very well not know about. Uh, but uh, we are sometimes wrong. But we're always right. We're always right. And, and, and one thing that we can tell you yes. is today is the first day of fall, or autumn as some people call it. Is it? Yes, it is. Well, that's that may mean, hopefully it means cooler weather. Also, a uh, good time to be planting, um, particularly bushes and trees, because uh, they won't, they, <laughs> yeah, the cooler weather allows them to get their roots well established whereas planting them in the in the spring the hot weather comes and they they uh, grow above ground more than uh, more than they should so uh, fall is a good time to get out there and plant trees and bushes and stuff like that well we we are fighting Allison and I are fighting a never ending battle for truth justice and the american way and the american way and we're never pc we are proudly Politically incorrect, aren't we all? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, we strive to be biblically correct. And I'm a native Texan. Allison is a native... A native American. A Native American. You were born in America. I was born in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're also an, a Native American in uh, the more traditional sense of uh, the I'm, word. I'm part Indian. Part Indian. Part, and uh, everybody who's ever seen me t- totally believes that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, blonde, blue-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we have a trigger warning for you. Allison and I identify as non-binary. <laughs> non-binary. Well, we'd like to uh, begin our program with a verse, and this is uh, a beautiful one. In from the Gospel of John, Jesus said, "Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God; believe also in me." 
Matthew Henry wrote about this, be not cast down and disquieted. The word heart, let your heart be kept with full trust in God. The word your, however others are overwhelmed with the sorrows of this present time, be not you so. Christ's disciples more than others should keep their minds quiet when everything else is unquiet. And he said, here is the remedy against this trouble of mind, believe. By believing in Christ as the mediator between God and man, we gain comfort. And of course, the famous verse, Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Words to literally live by. Mm -hmm. Well, a little bit of Texas. Okay, no, no, go go ahead. Okay, a little bit of Texas history for you. in 1867, this week, legendary cattleman Oliver Loving died of gangrene at Fort Sumner, New Mexico. Uh, and he heard about need for cattle at Fort Sumner, uh, where about 8,000 Indians had been settled on a reservation. See, so he gathered a herd and combined it with that of another man named Charles Goodnight and began a long drive to the fort, and that's today known as the Goodnight Loving Trail. We've driven on it. We have driven on that. Uh, and uh, Loving received his fatal wound in an Indian attack on the trail. And uh, before he died, his friend Goodnight assured him that his wish to be buried in Texas would be carried out, and he is buried in Weatherford. In 1964, the Nimitz Museum in Fredericksburg bought the Nimitz Hotel. The hotel was built in the late 1840s, early 1850s. Charles Nimitz, the grandfather of Admiral Nimitz, bought it in 1855. Over the years, many notable persons stayed there, including President Rutherford B. Hayes and Robert E. Lee. Uh, In 1964, the hotel was renovated and reopened on Admiral Nimitz's birthday as a museum. And it's now part of the National Museum of the Pacific War. And the hotel itself is still there. Uh, it It is the one right on the corner of, now I'm going from memory, Main Street and... Washington? I think it's Washington, yeah. And it's one in Fredericksburg. Sh- shaped like a ship. Yes, thank you. The prow of a ship. Mm-hmm. So and that's that's the Nimitz, the old Nimitz Hotel. Uh, and uh, many people don't know because Fredericksburg has claimed Nimitz. Well, he was born there. We'll, we'll give him that. But... <laughs> he grew up in Kerrville. He grew up in Kerrville. <laughs> went to Tyvee High School. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a little, little, little war between Kerrville and... When, when we first m- moved to town, we were looking at houses, and one that we were shown, oh, yeah. we were told that, that Nimitz lived in it, I, I guess as an adult, mm-hmm. and the boiler in the... was it, I'm sure it was a basement. We, 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 we don't usually basements. have basements around yeah. here. But the, the boiler for the furnace was the most... I mean, it was the size of the studio. I mean, it was absolutely it like huge. A sh- it looked like a ship boiler. You yeah, might have gotten a, because it yeah, off of a ship. It was huge. Yeah. I, I, one reason we didn't buy the house, I had no idea what to do with it. Neither <laughs> did the realtor. Nobody knew what. Yeah, yeah. When, how do you get somebody to fix a you mm-hmm. know, ship's boiler in, in uh, Hill Country? Well, in 1865, and this is a fascinating story. A lot of people don't know about him. Uh, Jacob Friedrich Brodbeck. Jakob, probably, uh, in German, of Fredericksburg. Now, the story says he may have made the first fight in an airplane, but we're going to say he did. (laughs) Almost 40 years before the Wright brothers, 
uh, in a field about three miles east of Luckenbach. Uh, he developed this, had a propeller powered by coiled springs, and uh, the, the, what he called the aeronaut, the pilot, uh, and he had uh, pontoons in case of uh, landing on water, a compass, a barometer. And the people who saw this uh, said it rose 12 feet in the air, traveled about 100 feet before the springs unwound completely and the machine crashed to the ground. And it was destroyed. He was okay. But uh, his investors refused to put up any more money for a second attempt, so he couldn't do it. Uh, and he lived on a ranch near Luckenbach until his death in 1910. And uh, there's a uh, there's a plaque on market plots in Fredericksburg, and you can look it up on the internet, or just go over there and look at it uh, for Jacob Broadbeck. And it says Jacob Broadbeck, father of U.S. aviation, 1821 to 1910. So you can go look at that plaque and. Uh, it's, uh, it's right there in the main square of Fredericksburg, honoring the father of U.S. aviation. Mm-hmm. Well, Allison, I think you uh, have told me that this is, uh, we're, we're uh, noting, a notable bir- noting a notable birthday okay. today. Are we not? Um, yeah, this, this past week, um, Leonard Cohen, if he was still alive, would have celebrated a birthday. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm sure when you hear the music, I'm sure you'll recognize him. Uh, He was a singer-songwriter and one of the distinctive voices of 1970s pop music. And as I said, he would have celebrated um, a birthday this past week. And probably his most uh, well-known song that you will, I'm sure, recognize. Now I've heard there was a secret David played and it pleased the Lord but you don't really care for music do you? It goes like this the fourth, the fifth the minor fall the major lift the battle king composing hallelujah Of course, was a Hallelujah, which was uh, written and uh, 
com- composed by Leonard Cohen, and that was him singing it. But a, a lot of other people have, have recorded it. And a song that I, I bet you don't know that Leonard Cohen wrote. Um, I'll play it for you. Like a bird on the like a drum in a midnight choir. I have tried in my way to be free. Like a fish on a hook. Like a knight from some old-fashioned book. I have saved all my rhythm for a That was written by Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. And, and that, of course, was Aaron Neville singing it. Mm-hmm. It was one of yeah. the most beautiful voices. Absolutely. I, I think. I agree. I agree. And there was a movie, Bird on a Wire, mm-hmm. Mel Gibson and... The Goldie Hawn, I think. Goldie Hawn, I believe you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Well, you know, Bill was talking a lot about Texas history. When when we first came to, to Hill Country, we decided to explore the Big Bend area because we weren't real familiar with with texas so we'd always heard about big bend well, i was familiar with panhandle okay okay so so we went to big bend and and we started doing some research and we realized the time to, time to go was like february because it is just ungodly hot yeah it is starting pretty early but uh anyway so so we went out to the big bend area uh, there are a lot of small towns and we were buzzed by a jet a stealth fighter a, a stealth fighter and apparently, we talked to locals, and apparently, what the, they they do their t- test runs out there, and and they get bored, <laughs> so they buzz cows and car. It was like well, I mean, we were like the only the car. only car for miles and miles and miles. Yeah, and and, and Bill Bill opened the sunroof so we could get a, yeah, like took, a a photo of it, and it was so loud. Well, it was, it was so pr- close. It was about twenty five <laughs> feet above us. <laughs> yeah. now, this is not a, not an exaggeration. It was so loud. We had to immediately shut the. Sh- I mean, oh, I, I I held my camera up to take a picture of of him as he went over, and it was so. I was standing up and standing through the uh, sunroof, and I had to drop my camera and, and cover up my ears. I mm-hmm. couldn't. I mean, I couldn't. Uh, my ears would have been blown out. Mm-hmm. So, but that's what they do. But on on, on that same t- same trip, we were in Alpine, which is a a beautiful little town. And we discovered Riata Restaurant, mm-hmm. um, which has wonderful food. And I believe they have one in Fort Worth, don't they? Yes. I'm pretty sure. We, we've I, been to them. We, we've been Worth. to that one. It's downtown Fort Worth. I don't know if it's still there, but it was there a few years ago. But, but just after we were in Alpine, probably a couple of weeks later, we were in Beverly Hills, uh, California. And Riata had opened a restaurant on Rodeo Drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and val- we were there for Valentine's Day. 
and we're not used to having to make restaurant reservations. Well, I started calling around for to get a reservation for dinner on Valentine's Day, and the, the restaurants were all nice to me. They didn't laugh in my face, but the only reserva- dinner reservation we could get was 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> however, however, we called up Riata, uh, which had just opened up, and uh, they they had plenty of room. <laughs> Yeah, well, they were huge. They had, they had rented this huge space. Yeah, and uh, we we told her. Well, first of all, I should point out that anybody who's not familiar with Rodeo Drive, uh, it's incredibly expensive real estate. Um, all the fancy shops that you can imagine are there, and one of the most you know well known famous restaurants is Spago Wolfgang Wolfgang Puck's Spago, and he's not on Beverly Hills. He, I mean, he's in Beverly Hills, but he's not on Rodeo Drive. He's, you know, a couple streets off. But uh, anyway, so we were in the Riata in Beverly Hills, and we told our waiter that we'd just been to the original one in Alpine, and he was so excited, and Bill still had the receipt yeah, for, for he got the manager. He said, we've, yes. never, we've never heard from anybody who's been to the one in Alpine. We've, a lot of people come in and say they've been on one in Fort Worth, but never met anybody who's been to the one in Alpine. What's it like? They want to know all about <laughs> yeah. that. And I had, as you said, I, I still had the parking receipt or some kind of, oh, the, the receipt from the restaurant, yeah. not parking. They exactly. don't have that. But, yeah, I still had the ticket from the restaurant in my uh, my wallet for some reason. So. And they were so I excited. I think they, they wanted me to give it to them. I think I gave oh, it. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. they wanted to have it and display yeah. it. <laughs> well, uh, well all, more taxes. Well, they went, by the way, they're oh. no longer there. Oh, yes. I think I think they were in business short-lived. on Rodeo Drive for about six months. I don't know how long it was. It was unfortunately, I, they didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, you have big-name restaurants around. Oh, good. Um, yeah. And yeah. nobody had heard of Riata. All of their food was excellent. Yeah. But, um, you know, they were not known in California. Mm-mm. So, sadly, they... they yeah. Did not make it there. Well, before we've, and I'll let you go on here. Before I, before I let you go on, Elsa. Thank, thank you so <laughs> Actually, much. Actually, you control my microphone. So I know. You let I me can, go. On. I can turn your microphone uh, off yeah, anytime. I, I know. She's the engineer around here. Uh, you may have heard our interview with B.G. Pierce uh, of uh, Stonewall Chamber of Commerce, and uh, he called up uh, the other day to let let us know that organizers for the planned Wine Country Fest near Albert, which was projected to draw 30,000 or more people. And, and uh, if, you, if you know Albert, you, you know that Albert could not handle 30,000 people. They can barely handle 30 people, <laughs> if you've ever been to the ice house there. But uh, they were going to have this in a cornfield with no facilities to take care of whatever matters or somebody needs a 911, the roads. Are, I mean, they're just little tiny roads, and it, it was absurd. And uh, the Stonewall Chamber and a number of people took leadership in that, including BG. Well, BG called us uh, this week and said the organizers for this Wine Country Fest have withdrawn their application. They were being, as we announced the other day on the show, they were denied a mass gathering permit by the Gillespie County Judge Daniel Jones. And uh, when they got that, they could have sued, but they decided not to. You know, that's always lucrative. The only time you win a lawsuit is as if you're a lawyer lawyer involved mm-hmm. in it well there's I, an old there's an old greek curse that says uh, may you be involved in a lawsuit and you be in the right <laughs> the curse <laughs> so so that's not going to happen yeah at least not around here 
Well, I, I, I was curious as why they didn't try to rent out um, Quiet Valley, yeah, um, which is where the Kerrville Folk Festival is mm-hmm. um, every every May. Yeah. Um, they have lots of facilities for a lot of people. Yeah. So well, unless, maybe they couldn't, unless they, they have some event or, going on, or maybe yeah. they don't rent to. We don't know anything about that. Anybody. But they sh- but they're I, not going to be around here. Me. They're going to be. Uh, I was talking to January Weesey uh, yesterday, who's executive director of the Texas Hill Country Wine association and uh she she said uh oh i hear you were you know you and allison were uh, really involved in uh stopping that in the wine festival and i said no we're not we were not involved in stopping it we did our best to publicize what a bad idea it was and help the organizers in any way we could and and uh, she's concerned that it's going to come elsewhere in the hill country oh and uh at, at, at those dates i don't know they were, they were planning it immediately after the total eclipse, which is is next April. Yeah, yeah. And she's in Hill Country. She, I shouldn't say she's concerned about it because, uh, in many ways, if it's in the right venue, it can be t- a tremendous thing for the wine industry because uh, they call it a wine festival, and it it would be a great thing for the wine industry in the right venue, mm-hmm. but not just a cornfield somewhere in exactly. Albert or wherever. Exactly. No, it has to be, as you say, in some uh, quiet valley or, or, you know, someplace like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, some, even the wineries, uh, I understand uh, some of the wineries uh, in talking to people, some of the wineries in the area were initially supportive. And then they, when they realized what a, a zoo it would be, uh, were having real second thoughts about it. Uh, but uh, again, in the right venue, it would be a Great shot in the arm for the Texas uh, wine uh, industry. Mm-hmm. But again, got to find the right venue. Did I say that before? The right <laughs> menu. Yes. Um, speaking of wineries, uh, the Trump Winery, which is owned by uh, Donald Trump family, and uh, Eric Trump is the um, manager of, of it. Uh, it's been named the best winery in Central Virginia. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it is a beautiful winery. We've been oh, there. absolutely. We've yeah, been there a lot of times. Probably the prettiest winery I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump bought it at foreclosure for $6.2 million. It had a mortgage for $28 million. See, that I, I don't understand because the bank should have bid $28 million. That's what they did. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't know Unless they realized it wasn't worth $28 million. Yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, my, my guess is, okay, he got it for $6.2 million, but I guarantee you he had to put a lot of money into well, it. Well, what the bank, yeah, but what the bank does, it's it's the, they bid that, but they don't pay it. It's their note. Well, that's true. So they just, you know, usually the, the bank is going to bid the amount of the note. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wants the property, they'll bid more than the note. But otherwise, the bank gets it, and then they sell it for whatever they can get for it. All righty. Okay, well, okay, before we, well, we're still talking about Texas. Well, right. That wasn't about Texas, that was about Virginia. Yeah, I got some Texas stories coming up. Oh, okay. Probably after the break. Um, college station-based Texas A&M is among the nation's most conservative colleges, according to, really? n- according to niche college ratings. Well, good. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear that. Exactly. <clears throat> well, coming up, I know we've got a break pretty soon. Uh, we've got... Uh, We've got some things that you may not know about the recent uh, impeachment and acquittal of Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Some really stuff that didn't make the news, pretty much. And uh, so that's coming up right after our very short break on the Bill and Allison Show on the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. Stay with us. Resurrection, 
Cause he died completely healed But you gotta play the hand you deal Susie, I'm so glad you came along Embraced by life, bathed in tears She'd been clean for Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison, Hill Country Patriot, your information station. And you can listen to us anytime, 24-7, at firstcoupleoftexasradio.com. You can even download our shows and mm-hmm. listen to them on whenever you want to. Mm-hmm. Well, as everybody knows by now, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton was acquitted of uh, the charges against him in an impeachment um, impeachment was everybody should understand what an, impeachment is not a conviction. Impeachment uh, is a basically a grand jury uh, indictment. F- indictment. Thank you. Uh, where where the house and this is true in the federal level. It's also true on the state level. The house impeaches and the senate then has a trial. Well, he was acquitted of all sixteen charges uh, that was uh, that were brought against him. Uh, I will point out that State Representative Ellen. Troxclair joined 63 Democrats to, or 61 Democrats, I'm sorry, uh, to impeach Ken Paxton, as did State Representative Andy Murr. Uh, so we're not real pleased with those folks. Uh, when Paxton was acquitted, he released a scathing letter directed toward the White House. Uh, he said, he said, uh, by the way, there were two Republicans in the state Senate who voted to convict him, uh, and they are Robert Nichols and Kelly Hancock, just so you know that. Uh, and, and the Texas legislature is not as conservative as people might think. Uh, it is uh, A study was just done as how often do the Republicans vote conservative in each state house, uh, in the state Senate and in the state uh, House of Representatives, uh, and you would think Texas would be way up there with Republicans sticking together to vote conservative. No, they're about a third of the way down. Texas is seven, number 17 as far as Republicans sticking together and voting conservative. Uh, so you've got, got a lot of people in the Texas legislature that have R after their name, uh, but they ought to have D after their name. That's how they vote. Well, D, D for degenerate, is that what that stands for? <laughs> well, it surprised me to learn... Um, when we had uh, City Councilman Roman Garcia on, who's one of the youngest uh, city councilmen in the country, um, to learn how... It's in Kerrville. It, yeah, I'm sorry, in Kerrville. Um, he, we learned from him how, how uh, liberal the, the Kerrville City Council is. It just shocked the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, what Ken Paxton wrote uh, is... The sham, quote, the sham impeachment coordinated by the Biden administration with liberal House Speaker Dade Phelan and his kangaroo court has cost taxpayers millions of dollars, disrupted the work of the Office of Attorney General, and left a dark and permanent stain on the Texas House. The weaponization of the impeachment process to settle political differences is not only wrong, it is immoral and corrupt. President Biden will be held accountable. Finally, Ken Paxton said... He wrote, I can promise the Biden administration the following. Buckle up, 
because your lawless policies will not go unchallenged. We will not allow you to shred the Constitution and infringe on the rights of Texans. You will be held accountable. He's the, he's the most effective attorney general in the country. Uh, Tucker had him, uh, interviewed him the other day, and uh, it's clear. Uh, he's a threat. Uh, Ken Paxton's a threat to the Biden administration itself, and they wanted to go get him. And uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Ellen Troxclair, uh, state representative and uh, local in Hill Country, and also uh, state representative Annie Murr, went along with the Biden administration in trying to silence the most effective attorney general in the country. Uh, Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor, um, had a wonderful speech right after the vote uh, in the Texas Senate. He, the lieutenant governor presides over the Senate in Texas. And uh, he said, well, you'll hear him because we're going to play it, uh, part of it. Uh, he said basically he's been keeping quiet up to now because he had to. He's a judge and he's presiding over the Senate uh, during the, the trial. But uh, he actually, and you have to visualize this. He attacked Andy Murr by name in the Texas Senate when Andy Murr was sitting in the front row. Because Andy Murr was, was, is the chairman of the committee that brought the impeachment against Ken Paxton. And Andy Murr was sitting there in the Senate during the whole vote on whether or not to convict Paxton. And so Andy Murr, and they showed him on TV. Uh, I, I watched, uh, Allison, I watched the whole thing uh, live. And it showed him sitting there, you know, you know he was squirming when Dan Patrick attacked him for his leadership, if you want to call it that, in bringing the impeachment charges against Dan Paxton. Okay, here, here is Lieutenant Governor, uh, the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, uh, right after the vote to acquit Attorney General Ken Paxton. I feel it's important to set the full record straight on this trial because I want people in the future to have a full picture of what happened and how did we get here. I've spent most of the last 90 days, as many of you have, preparing for this trial. I've issued over 240 subpoenas. I've studied numerous motions, written multiple orders, read hundreds of pages of history, rules, documents, and worked on every detail of this trial with you and with our incredible Secretary of the Senate, the Clerk of the Court. I have had a total view of this process from the very first day the House sent over the articles of impeachment to us in May. In the House, the vote to send the articles of impeachment against the Attorney General to the Senate happened in only a few days, with virtually no time for 150 members to even study the articles. The Speaker and his team rammed through the first impeachment of a statewide official in Texas in over 100 years, while paying no attention to the precedent that the House set in every other impeachment before. In the past, the House had transparent and open investigations for all to see, including other House members. The target of the investigation was notified and invited to attend with counsel and given an opportunity to cross-examine witnesses that were placed under oath before testimony was taken. At the conclusion of past House investigations, the evidence was laid out for weeks for House members to evaluate, not hours, before they took their vote on articles of impeachment. Representative John Smithy, a longtime House member who has argued cases before the Texas Supreme Court, spoke on the House floor during impeachment vote in May. He was one of only 23 who voted against impeachment. Representative Smithy said the House could not legitimately impeach 
General Paxton, on the record because there was no record to send to the Senate. He said the House was not following the rule of law. He said the House approach, and I quote Representative Smithy, hang them now and judge them later. Confirming this, Representative Murr, the chair of the House Investigating Committee, said on the House floor, the House is not the body that does the fact-finding. The fact-finding occurs in the Senate, and the oath for any witnesses would occur there. Well, that's just not true. As Representative Smithy said, that's exactly what they did in 1917. He said the last House impeachment of the statewide official in 1917 was Governor Ferguson. John Smithy said it was conducted like a full trial before the House sent it to the Senate. Witnesses were put under oath and cross-examined by the defendant. He said this time no House witnesses were put under oath and the defendant was denied the right to cross-examine. Representative Smithy told his fellow members the House process was indefensible. Representative Smithy said the House did not follow the rules of evidence and their case was based on triple hearsay that would never be allowed in court. I think Representative Smithy's speech was one of the most honest and courageous speeches I've ever heard of in the House. And if you want to watch it online, go to YouTube. Look up John Smithy, that's S-M-I-T-H-E-E, -E, his floor speech on the Paxton impeachment. It's an amazing, courageous speech to give when he knew he was only one of 23 not voting for impeachment. In the next regular session, we should amend the Constitution on the issue of impeachment as currently written that allowed this flawed process to happen. Any testimony given in a House impeachment investigation must be given under oath, and the target of that impeachment must be allowed to present with a lawyer to cross-examine the witnesses. Otherwise, people can say anything they want without any accountability or need to be truthful because there is no threat of perjury. The House must also give members a minimum of two weeks to review all evidence given under oath before voting on such a serious matter. Had they done those two things, this trial may never have happened. And when the House sends articles of impeachment to the Senate, if they do in the future, the officials should not be put on unpaid leave through the process. The federal system does not allow that. Why do we allow that in Texas? President Clinton and President Trump did not have to step down from the Oval Office from their duties during their impeachment process. And members, this is not a partisan issue. We owe it to future legislatures to make these changes so that no future official impeached by the House, whether Republican, Democrat, or Independent, is subject to the way this impeachment process occurred in the House this year. Millions of taxpayer dollars have been wasted on this impeachment. 31 senators and a large Senate staff that made this trial possible have put their family life, their jobs, their business on the hold for the last three months after already being here from January to June. I'm going to call next week for a full audit of all taxpayer money spent by the House from the beginning of their investigation in March to their final bills they get from their lawyers. We will provide our cost as well that were forced on us by the House impeachment. One big difference, we didn't pay a huge team of outside lawyers and investigators. We did it mostly with our own staffs, working endless hours with no extra pay. As Representative Smithy said, this is not the way it has happened in the past in the House. That's why I believe we've only had two prior impeachments. Our founders expected better. It should have never happened this year, and hopefully it doesn't again, unless we address this in the Constitution. And finally, members, may God continue to bless the greatest place 
God ever created on earth, the place we call Texas. We are the envy of the world. We are the America that all America used to be, and that's why people move here from every state in the union by the hundreds of thousands every year. We're Bill and Allison. We'll be right back after this quick break with more. Well, we back. are back, are we not, Allison? <laughs> We're Bill and Allison. We seem to be still Bill and Allison. Glad you're with us at the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. Of course, you may have heard that once or twice, but it's all true, covering the Hill Country. Well, uh, when we, just before the break, we uh, heard from Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick about the sham impeachment that was uh, uh, rammed through the House by state representative andy murr and uh andy murr had to sit there and listen to uh dan patrick attack him by name uh and uh it was uh something to see i'll tell you but (laughs) before we leave this subject which we will momentarily uh before hours before the impeachment hearing General Paxton accused the Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, of presiding over the House while drunk and demanded that he resign. Now, we have a little audio for you. I want you to decide if he's drunk, because I think this is what General Paxton is referring to. Okay. And what you'll hear at the beginning is the way he talks somewhat normally and the next couple of cuts are what a lot of people think, including General Paxton, uh, that he's drunk. So here is the Speaker of the Texas House, Dade Phelan, presiding over the House. Mr. Johnson, amendment. the amendment is not acceptably offered. The question occurs in the adoption of the amendment. This is, this is a record of vote. The clerk reading the bell. Should Mr. Kimple voting nay? Mr. Johnson and Harris voting aye. Should Mr. King of Hempel voting nay? Mr. Campbell, send an amendment. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? The chair has done. The amendment is adopted. The chair recognizes Mr. Mr. Johnson of Harris. Mr. Johnson of Harris to speak in opposition to the bill. The chair recognizes Ms. Niabe Criado to speak in opposition to the bill. Mr. Speaker, I'm directed by the Senate to inform the House that the Senate has taken the following action. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Members you may want to hear this announcement. Mr. Guerin moves the House adjourn until Monday at 1 p.m. Is there objection? The chair here is done. The House stands adjourned. Okay, you tell me. You're stupid. <laughs> really, really stupid. That was the Speaker of the Texas House, Dade Phelan. A lot of people think he was drunk. You're stupid. 
you make up your own mind. I'm not making any accusations. Well, don't be alarmed. Well, you should be alarmed, but it's not an emergency. <laughs> That's our woke alert. The Bill and Allison woke alert. We find, and it's a hard job, believe me, the craziest things we can find among the woke population out there. And we got a goodie for you today. You know, when when uh, we saw, Allison and I saw this clip from a TED Talk, we assumed the speaker was a just a second-rate crank. Well, actually... Uh, he's somebody who's not a second-rate crank, but a Ph.D. professor who runs the New York University School of Public Health Center for Bioethics. Okay, and his name is S. Matthew Lau, L-I-A-O. And he argues, he argues that the danger of climate change is so great that we should consider bioengineering human beings that is genetically modify us to make us intolerant of meat proteins. Here he is, Dr. Lau. Climate change is one of the biggest problems that we face today. Millions could suffer hunger, diseases, coastal flooding as a result of climate change. We may be beyond the point of no return. Scientists believe that we have no choice but to consider geoengineering. This is large-scale manipulation of the Earth, such as spraying sulfate aerosols into the ozone layer in order to increase the reflectivity of the planet. But geoengineering is very, very risky. We have never attempted these technologies on such a large scale. So we could end up destroying the entire ozone layer. I want to consider a class of solutions that have never been considered before. Human engineering. It involves the biomedical modification of human beings. I'll give four examples. Here's one. 18% of greenhouse gas emissions come from livestock farming. So if we eat less meat, we could significantly reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. Now, some people would be willing to eat less meat, but they lack the willpower. Human engineering could help. Just as some people, people are, are naturally him. intolerant to milk or crayfish, like myself, we could artificially induce mild intolerance to meat <laughs> by they stimulating think it's a joke. our immune system against common bo uh, bovine proteins. And in this way, we can create an aversion to eating eco-unfriendly food. And we can do this, for example, by having meat patches, kind of like nicotine patches. <laughs> People can then wear these patches before they go out for dinner, to curb their enthusiasm for eating meat. You're stupid. <laughs> really, really stupid. You're stupid. Yeah. 
stupid, but he's a Ph.D. professor at New York University. And, and you're not. And I'm not. <laughs> exactly right. Well, I think those aversion patches, I think that's used uh, in... Smoking. Uh, well, I, I was going to say in, in alcoholics. Yeah. To, to make them... Well, uh, he wants to not, not do like, it because, not like of, the because of climate change. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these books, on a serious note, I mean, even, even the people that are attending this woke TED Talk thing are laughing at the guy. But thank, thankfully... But these experiments that would have been considered uh, part of maybe a science fiction novel are now considered, like sterilizing and mutilating children, are now considered gold standard care. It it reminds me of when lobotomies were the big big deal in the 1940s and 1950s. Yeah, Joe Joe Kennedy had his daughter um, lobotomized. That's right. She she was the sister of... John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. Yeah, and she she was uh, they her behavior. She was um, you know had had some mental problems. Apparently, she apparently. was a little bit flighty. <clears throat> well, I don't me. I don't know what the story was, but she you know they didn't like her behavior, so he uh, just had her yeah, tip, lobotomized. T- typical young teenager or, or older teenager. Yeah, so she was lobotomized. People don't know that. That means they come in, they cut your skull open, and they cut off your frontal lobe or deaden it. And uh, so she was a, basically a vegetable for the rest of mm-hmm. her life mm-hmm. because of that institutionalized. The Kennedy family never talked about that, mm-hmm. never talked about her. But once you dispose of the idea, I mean, well, okay, I guess what, what I wanted to say is what is tying all this together, lobotomies, sterilizing and mutilating children, is the trans, if you want to call transhumanist vision that once you dispose of the idea of God, creating human beings and giving them inalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. These are permanent rights. They're not given by government. But once you throw that out the, out the window, then anything goes. Dostoevsky said, if God is dead, then everything is permitted. Uh, the French Revolution, which the modern left is born in, has always been about sweeping away natural limits, reshaping human beings, reshaping society, and that now includes the human body itself. So if there's no God, what should prevent the stronger and more intelligent from reshaping the weak and less intelligent? Uh, I mean, we've seen this during the COVID pan- pandemic, uh, where people like this Dr. Lau and others in public health establishment established rules for us to live by, conducted medical experiments on us against our will, bullied us as they saw fit, locked down churches, prevented churches and synagogues from worshiping but allowed marijuana dispensaries and abortion mills to stay open. Shut down small businesses, but allowed the mega corporations, the Walmarts, etc., to remain open. So genetic engineering, the next generation, isn't a stretch. For them, it's the next logical step. We live in a frightening time, but mm-hmm. as we began the program, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And... Uh, all things work together for good to them who, who are the called according to his purpose, to God's children. And uh, we have to trust in that and believe, because uh, otherwise I, I feel sorry for people who aren't believers. That's uh, We're Bill and Allison, the Hill Country Patriot, your information station. We'll be back right after the news. Stay tuned. Now, the first couple of Texas Radio. Here's Bill and Allison Mencaro. Welcome back. Okay, well, 
as we said, we're Bill and Allison. Well, as as I'm sure everybody knows, uh, the UAW, United Auto Workers, are, are on strike. And uh, the question is, you know, who's going to win, the car manufacturers or the unionized leader? But one person is already being declared a winner, and that's Elon Musk. Uh, Tesla's CEO has already been enjoying a major cost advantage over his competitors thanks to their more streamlined production processes and lower wages wages for the non-unionized workforce. UAW employees are on strike and they're likely to see increased wages no matter how the dispute ends. So Tesla's edge in that area will grow. Tesla's labor costs average $45 an hour compared to GM, Stellantis, and Ford's estimated $66 per hour. However, if the UAW gets the pay hike that they are seeking, those uh, labor costs will increase to $136 an hour. So you know, wow. you know what that would do to the cost to you know American cars? Wow. Um, but uh, Tesla has used that cost advantage to slice its car prices. Uh, in a bid to maintain uh, its commanding market share in electric vehicles. Uh, Despite price cuts, Tesla's uh, second quarter profits rose 20%. Um, Anyway, so what what could slow Tesla's role? Um, It's possible that the UAW strike, if successful at hiring wages, could galvanize Tesla workers to unionize at Musk's factories. However, the UA tried and failed to do that in 2017 and 2018. And uh, what you might have heard is that uh, Senator John Fetterman has joined the march, the UAW. He drove from Pennsylvania to Michigan to march in solidarity, solidarity with workers. Um, Bernie Sanders spoke at a UAW rally. And this coming Tuesday, Joe Biden, our president, is going to Michigan to um, mar- pick to march with the prote- with the picketers. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, you say uh, Elon Musk is uh, the winner of this. Of course, uh, you know Teslas and electric vehicles still have a lot of problems. Uh, I'm looking. I wish I could see uh, or show these pictures to you, but. Uh, I'm looking at several pictures of an electric uh, vehicle charging station uh, connected to a 350-kilowatt generator that uses 12 gallons of diesel fuel per hour. takes three hours to fully charge a car to get 200 miles. So that's 36 gallons of diesel fuel powering this charger to... uh, 36 gallons go 200 miles. That's 5.6 miles per gallon. And uh, there are a number of electric charging stations powered by a diesel motor. Uh, so you uh, you got to think about that. You know, I often call the uh, electric vehicle a coal-burning car because most of our electricity is generated by coal burning still. Um couple of other items that uh, regarding uh, electric vehicles uh, yeah somebody I, this is not original with me somebody said today the electric company the electric company responded to a power outage in my neighborhood with three diesel powered trucks <laughs> enough said 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, an electric car doesn't become an electric until it's charged with electricity, right? Mm -hmm. But without fossil fuels... How do you charge them? How do you charge it without electricity? So, you know, somebody said, coal-fired electric cars helping liberals pretend they're solving a make-believe crisis. And, you know, you talk about hypocrisy. John Kerry, uh, the, the climate czar, Al Gore, Obama, they've all bought multi-million dollar waterfront houses, Obama and Kerry particularly, on Martha's Vineyard. Obama bought a $12 million waterfront house, one of many that he owns. Well, you don't buy a waterfront house if you really believe the oceans are rising, do you? Something to think about. Hypocrisy. You know. If your electric car runs out of power on the interstate, do you walk to a charging station to get a bucket of electricity? That's what happened a couple of years ago when we had our big... Uh, deep freeze in the hill country and uh, i-10 was shut down and people were in their cars for hours and hours and hours and if you had an electric vehicle you're kind of out of luck because uh, the gas stations were coming along giving uh you know providing gasoline for people so they could keep warm in their cars because there was no place else for them to go and uh, but what do you do with an electric car electric vehicle so something to think about. If you've been thinking about an electric vehicle, you might want to think twice. Mm -hmm. Just saying. What do you got, Allison? Well, if you don't already know, <coughs> excuse me, I can't, I can't talk. Uh, the countdown is on for Hill Country's Ring of Fire solar eclipse. It's just three weeks away. That's going to be a cool one. Really. It's going to be very cool. Yeah. It's uh, Saturday, October the 14th. And it starts about 10.20 in the morning. And what that means, it gradually, um, the, the, the moon covers up the, the, the sun, but not totally. So it's, that's why it's called a ring of fire, because you see a ring of fire around it. So it starts about 10.20, and then, uh, and then the, the height of it, I believe, is around right around noon, just shortly before noon. And then it will gradually go away for about an hour and a half. Um, and most of the United States will be able to see at least a partial eclipse of this ring of fire. But uh, Hill Country will be one of the few areas in the direct path of the uh, ring of fire eclipse. Cool. Mm -hmm. So that is when again? Uh, that's Saturday, October 14th, three weeks from today. Mm -hmm. What time of day is it going to be? Well, it starts at 1020 mm -hmm. and it gradually gets darker and darker and the the totality is approximately, I think it's just before noon. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Bud Light is uh, being persistent. and It's hard to believe that there's this stupid, but they are. Mid-level managers at Anheuser-Busch, which, of course, is uh, the brand behind uh, Bud Light, the company behind Bud Light, have been pushing the transgender cause within the company despite everything that's happened with this goof Dylan Mulvaney or whatever his name is. Uh, yeah. Despite that, they are sponsoring a festival next month that will feature what they call family-friendly drag entertainment. Uh, a spokesperson 
spokesman for Phoenix Pride, which is a gay organization, obviously. I thought Pride was a sin, by the way. <laughs> uh, spokesperson for Phoenix Pride said, it's only because of the support of corporate partners like Bud Light that we can have this festival, drag festival. What is wrong with people at Bud Light? Do they want to deliberately kill the company? Is that the point? It's true, but while you're talking about Bud Light, um, the CEO of Budweiser orders a Bud Light, the CEO of Miller orders a Miller's Light, the CEO of Coors orders a Coors Light, the CEO of Guinness orders a Coke. The three CEOs then ask him, why aren't you drinking a Guinness? He replies, if you guys aren't drinking beer, then neither will I. <laughs> That's terrible, Allison. I haven't heard that one. That's terrible. Oh, well, oh, by, by the way, okay. um, last last week, Disney's uh, Disney World's Magic Kingdom had to partially shut down because a wild bear was spotted in the park. No kidding. People probably thought it was one of the oh, um, employees uh, in a in a but, costume. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or part of the entertainment. That's funny. That's funny. Well, President Biden's uh, Department of Homeland Security is planning to give photo ID cards. <laughs> To border crossers and illegal aliens before they're released in the United States. Isn't that nice? Wow. And what they use these cards for, among other things, to get on airplanes to, as, as identification uh, or to access public benefits, meaning taxpayer-paid benefits. Uh, a man named John, and I hope I get this right, Fabricatore, a former... Uh, ICE official, immigration uh, official. He says the ultimate goal of the Biden administration is to limit illegal aliens' face-to-face -face contact with DHS agents as much as possible. He says, quote, this is a normalization of illegal immigration. So uh, Biden, the figures that, that uh, we're able to get, Biden is releasing on average more than 60,000 illegal aliens into American communities every month. Uh, in total, Senator Ron Johnson estimates that Biden uh, has brought in 5 million illegal aliens to the United States since he was sworn in. And, of course, the purpose is to give uh, Democrats a permanent majority. And if you want to learn more about that, I'll remind you that former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard will speak tonight about her reasons for leaving the Democrat Party. She'll be live and in person at a dinner sponsored by the Gillespie County Republican Women at the Texas Rangers Heritage Center in Fredericksburg. Um, so for more information, go to GillespieCountyGOP.org. So that's tonight to hear Tulsi Gabbard. Quite an opportunity. And uh, we recommend that you do that. Are you on the air? No. There you are. <laughs> I was coughing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I turned my mic off. Okay. <clears throat> um, okay, we were talking about the uh, October 14th um, annual Ring of Fire eclipse. Mm -hmm. And uh, in conjunction with that, uh, as a fundraiser uh, f for uh, the Gold Star Camp at Echo Hill, um, they're having, uh, on the Saturday the 14th, um, they're having a fundraiser. And uh, you can see the... Uh, ring of fire eclipse in the beautiful natural setting at echo hill ranch which is wide open so it's going to be very <clears throat> easy to see uh it's 125 dollars 
and lunch will be served and there'll be swimming hiking you can feed the horses and uh, if you're interested uh, overnight passes are an option and uh, eclipse glasses will be included nice and you can go to echohill.org for more information or email info at echohill.org okay well that'll be a cool thing to do mm-hmm. yeah well you know that uh robert f kennedy jr running for president on the democratic ticket uh he's getting a lot of support by the way according to polls well uh there was a potential assassin who was stopped by rfk jr's security uh by the way he has twice asked the Biden administration for Secret Service protection, and he has been denied twice. Uh, even though he's had many death threats, RFK Jr. has many, had many death threats against him, uh, he is being refused Secret Service protection, which is unprecedented for a candidate who is scoring that high in the polls. Uh, he's never, they've never been denied Secret Service protection before. But they're denying it to Robert F. Kennedy. Why? Because he's running against Joe Biden. That's the reason. And if, if he gets assassinated, I, there won't be any tears shed in the White House. So the potential assassin who was stopped by RFK's security uh, has been identified. His name is Adrian Paul Espuro. A-I-S-P-U-R-O. Now this happened on Thursday, September 14th, uh, he had a U.S. Marshal's badge in his possession. Now, keep in mind that date. This happened on Thursday, September 14th, where this guy was a potential assassin of RFK Jr. One day earlier, September 13th, the Mexican cartel leader El Chapo's wife was released from federal prison. This guy's name was Adrian Paul Espuro, A-I-S-P-U-R-O. Guess what El Chapo's wife's name is? Espuro? Emma Coronel Espuro. Same spelling. Now, we don't know if they're related. We haven't been able to get to the bottom of that yet. But think about the way the U.S. government carries out domestic assassinations using patsies, or what, you, what they call Manchurian candidates. Sirhan Sirhan, who assassinated Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s father, Bobby Kennedy, was clearly... Suppo- man- supposedly. Well, supposedly. He didn't he actually didn't assassinate him. Um, the coroner of uh, Los Angeles, who headed up the, in- the investigation, said that Robert F. Kennedy was killed uh, by a... Uh, gunshot right behind his ear within an inch or two behind his ear and nobody in that crowded kitchen area uh, where Kennedy was shot in 1968 nobody said that Sirhan Sirhan was any closer than a few feet and he was in front of Kennedy so Sirhan Sirhan was was brainwashed in what they call a Manchurian candidate or a a patsy just like Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy Uh, but Think about the way the CIA has done this, uh, has used patsies. Um, Allison and I ran into a gentleman uh, in Virginia when we were sightseeing, and we started talking with him. And uh, 
he turns out to be a former CIA agent, retired. Uh, and uh, I won't mention any of his name, of course, but uh, we told him that uh, we knew a former CIA guy uh, named Philip Agee, who, uh, I won't go into the whole story, you may know the name, uh, but uh, he was... Uh, a lot, nowadays, a lot of people might not, so you should sort of give some background. Well, we met Phil in Cuba when we were there um, legitimately uh, as part of a uh, organization called Reef, which monitors the health of coral reefs around the world. Our, our, our job in Cuba was to count fish. Count fish and see what the fish population was for this foundation, uh, being scuba divers. You should point out that Philip Agee lived in, in Havana because he was not allowed in the United States. Well, he, no, he, they'd love to have him in the United States. They <laughs> well, would have kill, <laughs> kill him, yeah. Uh, because he wrote a book that uh, they, the CIA said exposed a lot of agents. And uh, Philip Agee uh, told us that he didn't, he said all those people were well known. So who knows? Who knows the answer? But we, we, uh, we met Philip Agee, spent, uh, had, uh, spent an evening with him actually, uh, uh, just happened to be that way. Uh, we had a mutual friend who introduced us. Anyway, this fellow, the CIA agent we met in Virginia, uh, told us that uh, f the CIA had been trying to get Philip Agee, to get him, meaning assassinate him, uh, for years, and they couldn't get to him. I said, "Well, we <laughs> we show up in Cuba and we have dinner with him." So, you know, <laughs> and, and, so. and we were we wrote about around Havana in his car. We did his R Russian Lada, Russian Lada, <laughs> with him and his wife in the front seat, and Alice and I in the back. We're bouncing <laughs> around the streets of Havana at midnight, and uh, with his, kind of a weird <laughs> evening. But anyway, uh, he said uh, they've been trying to get uh, this uh, AG for years, and they you know, to assassinate him. So don't tell me this. I mean, here's got a CIA agent telling me right up front yeah of course we assassinate people it's illegal but we do it okay getting back to the rfj jr story um think about the way the government carries out domestic as i said domestic assassination using patsies now if rfk jr had been assassinated adrian paula spurrow the guy that they caught before he could do it would be the perfect patsy um now Espero's brother raymond who dropped him off at rfk jr's event and was also briefly detained, said the whole matter was a misunderstanding that his brother had been told there was a security job for him there. Uh, on July 31st of this year, Adrian Aspero posted a threatening and rather incoherent TikTok video brandishing his gun and his fake marshal's badge. Now, is it possible some federal agency like CIA and intercepted or saw that video and Several months later, they organized a, quote, security job for a Spiro to put him in the vicinity of RFK Jr. Uh, then they, then he, he's, he does the hit on RFK Jr. Uh, a Spiro, complete with guns and a, a fake marshal's badge, is picked up and identified as the assassin. The assassin. And then the, uh, the, the plausible motive that we're people, American people are told is, well, El Chapo's crew got back at the U.S. for uh, El Chapo's wife uh, being uh, incarcerated. Uh, so, just like Lee Harvey Oswald being assassinated by Jack Ruby, who had mafia connections. And, uh, of course, that's a much longer thing to go into. But that's, uh, the whole point is, 
Adrian Paul Espero, same name as the El Chapo's, the Mexican cartel leader, El Chapo's wife, Espero. Uh, and what, what you make of that is up to you. But it's a little factoid that I mm-hmm. bet you wouldn't know. When we come back on the Bill and Allison Show, we're going to tell you about the worst wrestler ever. Stay with us. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison, Hill Country Patriot, your information station or online anytime. First couple of TexasRadio.com. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are listening on HillCountryPatriot.com. Around the mm-hmm. world, we find out. Mm-hmm. Around the world. And the latest listing of uh, countries uh, who uh, uh, have people that tune in, I have to be, uh, congratulate you, Allison. The Bill and Allison show is hugely popular in the country of Andorra. Mm-hmm. We number one. We number one. We number one. What, do we have any idea where it is? No. <laughs> what continents it's on? I think it's Europe. <laughs> it sounds like Europe. Gotta look it up. Well, I promised to tell you about the worst wrestler ever. His name is Stanley Pinto. Okay. He was he was uh in a this is back in the seventies. He was uh wrestling uh in Providence, Rhode Island. And he was normally apparently a skilled wrestler. Well, during the match, he accidentally entangled himself in the ropes. And in struggling free, he his, his opponent was not even near him. But in struggling free to get out of the ropes, he pinned his own shoulders to the mat for three seconds, and the referee <laughs> counted him out. How about that? That's great. Stanley Pinto. Yeah, boxing is, is, I don't know much about many sports, but that's one thing that I know something about, and I've actually been to live boxing matches. Uh, yeah, you have. I, I used to have a, a friend who had a ring in his in his backyard. No kidding. I was, it was in a building. But yeah, wow. a, an official-sized ring. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. And you, you saw, what's, what's his name that won the title when you were in the restaurant? Oh, um, Pacquiao. Pacquiao? No, no. Well, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, yeah, that was at Spago in Las Vegas. Okay. okay. Yep, Pacquiao. He just won the, uh, I don't think it was heavyweight. I think he's small, no, I think smaller it, than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some interesting things here. I just learned uh, this little factoid. You know, the, the woke crowd tells us oh you know america's racist the founding fathers were all slave owners and you know we're all you know they're all white supremacists well that shows their ignorance of history nine out of the 13 colonies had abolished slavery by the time the constitution was ratified the founding fathers yeah some of them were slave owners but they wrote a lot of them wrote openly about their hatred for slavery 
Some had let their slaves go free. Okay. So this this whole thing about uh, you know critical race theory, which is racism in itself, that white people are the cause of all problems. The U.S. was founded on slavery and all that nonsense. Uh, you know, it's it's hogwash, and uh, but it's from people who are willfully ignorant of history. Uh, so it's all you know this diversity, uh, having including people from different ethnicities and social backgrounds, except for white people, of course. So when you're trying to create diversity. It's important to look for people of different ethnicities and social backgrounds, just like the slave owners did. Remember, it's racist to think all black or brown people look the same, but it's not racist to believe they should all think and act and vote the same. That's diversity. You know, one of the great philosophers of our time, Kamala Harris, says, quote, inclusion is where everyone who is excluded is no longer excluded because we include the excluded, so now they're included. This is inclusion. I wish I could cackle like her. Yeah, so there. She's a great, you know, great thinker. Oh, she's a great philosopher of our time. Mm-hmm. So white people, or you know, Trump supporters, or Christians, or whatever you call us, cisgendered, heteros, uh, whatever, parents, patriots, whatever you want to call white people. Uh, 70% of Americans are not going to be included in inclusion because they're either white or they act white, and that's not how inclusion works, is it? Well, the, one of the great, truly great philosophers of our time is the songwriter and singer Buddy Brown. Here's what he has to say about, to sing, rather, about diversity. If I walk in an office building and every employee is black in there, that is totally fine with me. I'm not going to walk in there and say, you ain't got enough diversity in here. Now you need a gay white girl with blue hair and four nose piercings. You need a Latina that don't even speak English. You need a trans squirrel outside your office window living in that oak tree. I don't care. Just make money. Just drive the economy. Just live your life. But that ain't what they're preaching, and people are sick of it. That's exactly what this song is about. Hope you enjoy it. You can tell HR to shove it, I ain't working here no more. Diversity training's stupid and it ain't what I signed up for. I ain't gonna read your handbook, it goes against all that we stand for. So tell HR to shove it, I ain't working here no more. Well, an email came from my new boss It had rainbows all over the page Said to show up Saturday morning For a slideshow and don't be late It said straight white folks are the problem We're gonna weed you out each day Well, human resources can kiss my ass Cause I got a few things to say Tell HR to shove it, I ain't working here no more. Diversity training stupid and it ain't what I signed up for. I ain't gonna read your handbook, it goes against all that we stand for. So tell HR to shove it, I ain't working here no more. Well, Saturday came and I didn't show up. I got a call on my cell phone. The boss man said, I thought you'd pull this on. You sure got balls. I told him you just lost 12 employees. We're going to start off on our own. 
Without your woke-ass handbook Then I hung up the phone I told him, tell HR to shove it I ain't working here no more Diversity training's stupid And it ain't what I signed up for I ain't gonna read your handbook It goes against all that we stand for So tell HR to shove it I ain't working here no more. Buddy Brown, the great Buddy Brown. Thank you, buddy. You're a great addition to America. America. One more song. Well, when we come back from the Bill, Bill and Allison show after a short break, we've got some really good news for you. It's uh, regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers and their head coach, Mike Tomlin, and what he has said about guys who kneel for the anthem. We'll be back in a moment. This is Kinky Friedman singing Bridge That Wouldn't Burn. One more song for you. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison. Hillcountrypatriot.com and firstcoupleoftexasradio.com. Anytime. Indeed, indeed. Well, what I, you got, Allison? Well, actually, I have a story about uh, the Libertarian Party, but before I um, tell you about that, um, Bill can give you a little bit of background on the Libertarian Party. Well, actually, I can. Um, that's, why, that's why I asked. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was living in Hyde Park, University of Chicago, um, in this, well, I hate to date myself, <laughs> some time ago. Uh, before the Libertarian was... Back, back when you were a child. Uh, you know, before the Libertarian Party was in existence. And uh, my roommate, David Friedman, was a... Milton Friedman's son, actually, was a, a, a very uh, a very much involved in uh, Libertarian causes, even though uh, the Libertarian Party didn't exist. In fact, he wrote a book called The, called the Machinery of Freedom, which is a very interesting book. He's, he, was, he is a Libertarian anarchist. Brilliant guy. Absolutely brilliant guy. In fact, he... Uh, um, last I heard, he was teaching in a law school on the West Coast, but he has never taken a course in law. He never went to law school. He's that smart. Uh, his, uh, his degree from the University of Chicago was in theoretical physics. So I uh, made a point. I've always made a point of hang, trying to hang out and befriend people who are much smarter than I am. I figured, <laughs> well, I'm serious. I'm absolutely, that was, I thought that made a whole lot of sense because maybe I could maybe i could learn you know, something learn something and get a few iq points uh, <laughs> uh, so, so in other words the libertarian party started in, in your uh, it did living room yeah it started in uh in the, the living room of uh, the apartment that i shared with my roommate uh, david friedman yeah. and uh, i didn't join because uh they were pro-abortion so i couldn't uh, i couldn't be part of that but uh, it started there and then uh, moved on to other places and became a big deal mm-hmm. well they have now filed for conservatorships, conservatorships of President Joe Biden and Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, referring to them as geriatric elites unfit to properly serve their positions. Biden is 80. McConnell is 81. And that is not a joke. They have actually filed for yeah, it. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, this is not a joke. Uh, twice recently, McConnell visibly froze while speaking publicly. Yeah. And Biden, as we know, has made many gaffes, both verbal and physical. D- just just last week, he was 
on stage supposed to be shaking a world leader's hand and he just wandered off the stage i saw that and he also at the uh, medal of honor uh presenting uh-huh. a, a man with a, a, a hero with with the congressional medal of honor and he just kind of wandered off the stage at the yeah. time totally yeah. inappropriately yeah. well he doesn't know where he is it's yeah exactly bottom line wow. Well, some good news. Uh, this comes uh, from the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin. He's, he has issued a directive. Any player who chooses to kneel during the national anthem is displaying a distinct hatred for America and will be shown the exit door immediately. Coach Tomlin said, quote, I've made a decision and I expect everyone on my team to respect it. If you kneel in my eyes, you're turning your back on America, and there's no place for that kind of sentiment in this locker room. So that's Pittsburgh Steeler head coach Mike Tomlin. Good for you, man. Good for you. Glad, glad to see somebody taking, taking a stand <laughs> on kneeling. Okay, a... Um what is being touted as one of the largest film studios in the country is set to break ground in San Marcos uh, as early as this year. Uh, it's going to be a 200-acre Hollywood studio, and it's uh, sometime this year, 2023. Wow. wow. And they are planning an 820,000-square-foot state-of-the-art motion picture studio facility, and the address is 6202 West Center Point Road. Uh, it's in a master-planned development, and it's going to include 12 sound stages, four workshops, backlots, production offices, and a commissary. And th- they have s- secured uh, proper zoning um, and annexation approval from the city, uh, which means they are ready to go. Wow. They're about ready to go. And, of course, there's some protesters uh, who, you know, are opposed to, you know, anything being built. But uh, what a shot in the arm for the community. Oh, well, exactly. Um, they're concerned that, about the development, saying that the economic impact of the studio could bring rising house prices and loss of the city's natural and cultural heritage. Um, one pro- protester said, when I heard about this film studio, I was furious. Uh, I cannot imagine anything happening to this beautiful town or beautiful river. Uh, some environmentalists are worried about the studio studio's development could threaten the Edwards Aquifer Recharge Zone, which is the primary source of water for millions of, of residents. But uh, the, the city of San Marcos has a, a long history of protecting the river and the uh, aquifer. And he said, we have some of the strongest environmental regulations along the corridor. And, and he, a point that he makes is that this project is better for the environment simply because the amount of impervious cover, and that would be like concrete, associated with the film studio, which is going to be 48% impervious cover versus the 80% impervious cover that would be involved with a commercial development on that light, uh, on that uh, on that site. And that, that would be, you know, the buildings themselves, parking. Uh, so, so, so they believe it's uh, more protective uh, of the environment than a commercial project. Hmm. That's an interesting argument. Yeah, I I thought so, too. That makes sense. Yeah, it certainly does. Oh, somebody sent me, uh, sent us, rather, a uh, (laughs) reasons why they vote Democrat. And I thought I'd share a few with you. There's um, more than we have time for, I think. But uh, here are a few. 
and we'll, we'll get to them in a later show. Number 10 reason, I vote Democrat because I can decide to be a woman today, get naked, and hang out at their bathrooms in gym showers. Number 9, I vote Democrat because I believe oil companies' profits at 4% on a gallon of gas are obscene, but the government taxing in the same gallon at 15% is not. I vote Democrat because I believe the government will do a better job of spending the money I earn than I would. I vote Democrat because no constitutional right is absolute. For example, the Second Amendment or the First Amendment. That's okay as long as nobody is offended. I haven't reconciled my belief that no constitutional right is absolute with the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery or the 19th Amendment giving women the right to vote. I need to ask New Mexico Governor Lujan to explain that one to me. Maybe you should reference what what that's talking well, about. Well, if you have, I think most people have heard that uh, Governor Lujan of New Mexico declared that the Second Amendment would be abolished uh, in um, parts of New Mexico, mm-hmm. Albuquerque and other places. And uh, she just said, no, no amendment is absolute. Now, I wish, mm-hmm. I wish uh, Allison, you or I had been there so we could have asked her, okay, uh, so uh, the amendment giving women the right to vote, that's not absolute? <laughs> I would love to see her respond. The, to the that. ironic thing, it was in New Mexico where where Bill and I got our training in um, pistol shooting. Mm-hmm. We 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 learned uh, we learned fire uh, got our pistol or you know firearms training there. Mm-hmm. And a couple others. I vote Democrat because I know that my local police are all I need to protect me from murders and thieves. I'm also thankful we have a 911 service that gets police to your home in order to identify your body after a home invasion. <laughs> I vote Democrat because I'm not concerned about millions of babies being murdered by abortion so long as we keep all death row inmates alive and comfy and give them priority for such things as heart transplants. And by the way, that is true. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say. That is true. That, that's not, that that's is not absolutely made true. Up. We're Bill and Allison. We'll see you next Saturday at 8 o'clock. In the meantime, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths.